Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends. I am counting down the number of podcast episodes left on marriage, and I think we are at about five, including today. So we have wrapping up communication today and then a couple episodes on financial matters and biblical stewardship, and then a couple episodes on intimacy. And that will conclude this series on marriage. And I hope that you found it to be profitable and helpful in your relationship. And if you're listening and you have any suggestions for something other than um, talking about marriage or something that you're interested in hearing about, I always appreciate receiving those suggestions. I already have a couple in the backlog that I'm working on, and I'll be getting ready to publish those after this series is finished. Well, today, after a, about a two-week break from the, the marriage podcast, I hope that if you um, didn't get a chance to listen to my thoughts on 2020, which is the, the review on 2020, that you'll go back and listen to that episode. But today, we want to talk about resolving problems in communication in our marriage. How do we resolve problems in communication? It's undeniable and it's incontrovertible that we will have problems in marriage. It's a fact of being creatures who are sinners from birth and who live in a sin-cursed world and who are still tempted on a regular basis by sin. And so we will have problems in communication. We, we should accept that as a, as a normal part of the human experience. That's a normal part of living life. And so the question then becomes, what do we do about the problems? How do we resolve the problems? Or perhaps we have a, a reoccurring problem in our communication and we need to solve that particular problem. Well, let's start with basically an overview of what some of the problems might be. All right, now this may not be your problem or you may have several of these problems, or you could have these problems at different times throughout your relationship. But I just want to provide an overview of what some of the, the problems might be. First, um, one of the problems might be time. We communicate at the wrong time or we don't spend enough time communicating. There is misunderstanding. Whereas we have defined words or phrases or situations differently, and we have a misunderstanding about those things. There is tone of voice, which goes back to the body language aspect of communication, the, the nonverbal aspect of communication. Now, obviously, you're using your voice, but the tone of your voice sets the stage or sets a parameter regarding the type of communication that you're about to have with somebody. Um, you can have problems with arguing. You could argue because you disagree, or you could argue just because you like to argue. And there are some people who, who is, it's in their nature, it's in their character to just be argumentative people. They, they see that you take a position on something and they naturally just want to take a different position. And they are argumentative. And how do you move forward and resolve communication issues when somebody is just argumentative? 
then there could be perhaps some disagreements on big picture issues, or there could be disagreements on smaller household management issues. And how do you communicate those things to one another? And is it is it absolutely essential that you come to an agreement on every big picture issue or on every smaller household management issue? There are probably other things that we could think of that would be overarching um, big issues or big problems in communication, but those are a few. Those give you an idea of the type of content that we are trying to resolve here in this particular episode. And so when we, whenever we turn to like actually solving a problem, we always have to go to the Word of God. We believe at this church, and I believe personally, that the Word of God is sufficient and capable to deal with every problem that we face in life. And so when we are examining something like communication, we are going to go first to the Word of God. Now, here is, here's the first verse that I think you should make a foundation of your conflict resolution, okay? It is from Proverbs chapter 15, and it is verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The first thing that you need to know about resolving problems and conflicts in communication is that your words can either accelerate the conflict or they can decelerate the conflict. And this leads to ask a second question. Would you rather be wronged or would you rather win the argument? Now, our culture has a tendency to celebrate a winning mentality, so much so that we believe it's necessary to win at all costs. But in marriage, when you win, what's the cost? The cost is often something that happens at the expense of your spouse. And so when we find ourselves in a communication conflict, we must be willing to shift our mentality from having the mentality of, I need to win, to the mentality of, how can I love my spouse? It doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be walked all over, but it does mean that we will examine our communication habits and patterns so that we can work through difficult issues or disagreements or whatever else it might be without leaving, burning down the house that we've built for one another. You know, bad communication and a series of bad communications is like starting a fire over and over and over again in your relationship. And you start a fire and you put it out. You start a fire and you put it out. You start a fire and you put it out. And pretty soon there's not a lot left to burn. You know, you can burn your house, that is your relationship, down around yourself. And, and it's sad to see people do that, but it's, it's a reality. It's a reality of life. And this is, this is why, quite frankly, so many people end up in divorce or separated because they cannot communicate effectively. They don't know how to diffuse conflicts and arguments, and they, they just burn up all that they have built to to eventually they get to the point where I don't have anything left. So what's the point of staying in this? The first principle to reiterate that you must master when it comes to communication and diffusing conflicts and arguments is that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You must be committed 
to the truth that your words will either accelerate or decelerate the conflict. Now, it's fine to say, I'm going to muzzle myself and not talk. I'm just going to be silent. But you can't have that forever. You can't maintain that forever. There comes a point in time where you actually have to speak and you actually have to address the issues and the misunderstandings and the conflicts that are present. And what you need to learn to do as a couple is understand the push and pull of how you work through a conflict. Let me give you an example. Some people, when they have a conflict with others, they want to have time to really think about the nature of the conflict. They want to think about their words that they choose. They need a half an hour or an hour to to process and meditate before they're ready to speak. Now, on the other hand, there are people who, when a conflict arises, they want to just start talking and talking and talking and talking. And it is through just many words and many uh, minutes, sometimes even hours of conversation that that they will talk themselves into the solution. What happens if you put two people like that together in a marriage? One who wants to meditate and think carefully and one who wants to talk and to basically come to the conclusion that they're supposed to come through through running every scenario and talking and talking and talking. And note, I'm not saying that either one of those positions is bad. Uh, I think to some degree we all do that. But some people are very prone to one and some people are very prone to the other. How do you resolve that? Well, here's what I mean by understanding the push and pull of your your communication habits and patterns and strengths and weaknesses in a marriage. Let's say you're the person who likes to talk, but you know that your spouse doesn't. When a conflict arises, you guys should make an agreement. You and your spouse should make an agreement that the person who wants to meditate should get 30 minutes to an hour to meditate on the issue and then come back and start talking about it. Likewise, the person who wants to meditate, maybe they want to take six hours or the next day, but they know that that's not healthy for their spouse. So they're going to limit the time that they take to think about the issue. You see, both couple or both people in the relationship, both partners in the marriage are giving a little bit and they're getting something. They're each getting what they want, but they're also giving up something that they don't want. Now, this is a a great application or a great example of how you can use Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in your marriage. You're going to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility of mind, consider others' interests as more important than yourself. If you're going to consider the spouse who wants the meditative time to more important than you, then you're going you're gonna to grant them that time, even though that's not what you want. Likewise, if you're the spouse who wants the meditative time, but you know your partner doesn't want that or wants to talk right away, you're going to maybe take the meditative time, but not take as long as you want. You're going to only take a shorter period of time. Understanding your personality and your dynamics and the dynamics of your relationship, this is very critical to conflict resolution. Why is this critical for conflict resolution? Because it sets the parameters of the argument. It sets the parameter of the conflict. And you know that 
you will return to it to work it out at some point. So let that be a, a foundation in your marriage that you will commit to allowing a gentle answer to turn away wrath. Be careful the words you choose. A second principle to apply in resolving conflicts in communication is to ask yourself this question. What brings glory to God? What brings about a righteous testimony to one another, to your children, to your extended family, and to your church family? James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says that every man ought to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Notice this follows very closely on the heels of the first point. right? If a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up wrath, then this is like the next level, this is the next step in the process, right? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When there is a conflict in communication, the cause of that is most likely some type of misunderstanding. Maybe you misunderstood the tone of voice. Maybe you misunderstood the definition of the word. Maybe you misunderstood uh, any number of things that produced the conflict and the difficulty that you're now facing. And so you need to resolve to ask yourself, what brings about the glory of God? What brings about the righteous life that God desires? And if you have a conflict, you owe it to your spouse or anybody else for that matter to spend time listening, being quick to hear, asking many questions so that you can truly understand and discern what the nature of the conflict is. I think that this is a very difficult principle to master because our desire, again, is to, to want to express ourselves. We want to win. We want to win the argument. And we have to be willing to not win. You know, we have to be willing to say, okay, I, I was wrong. And the reason we can do that is that we're not winning or losing on our own subjective standards. We are, we are winning and losing based on the objective standards of the Word of God. And so if I'm wrong in how I perceive something or how I think about something, you know, I want to be shown that from the Word of God. And when I, it's pointed out to me, then I'm like, okay, you know what? God's Word says I sinned and I need to repent and confess that sin. I know God will forgive me. But I need to be quick to be transformed by the word of God. And sometimes we don't hear well. And so we need to stop formulating our arguments and we need to spend more time asking questions to ensure understanding. So now we've had two principles. The first principle is that a gentle answer turns away wrath. The second principle is asking yourself the question, what brings glory to God and how can I have a righteous testimony? That leads me to a third principle for resolving conflicts and problems in communication. And that is this, choosing not to answer or choosing to answer in a gentle manner is the example of Jesus Christ. 
and we are to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let me read a couple of verses for you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Now, how does this apply to your marriage relationship and your communication? Well, to be reviled is to be slandered or highly insulted. And slander, of course, is to speak untruths about someone's character or their actions with the intent to harm them. Now, Jesus was reviled because they they slandered his character. And Jesus was highly insulted. The soldiers and even uh, King Herod spoke offensive and crude things to him. Now, in response to these things, he, he could have defended himself. He could have called a whole bunch of witnesses uh, to to basically prove that his character was actually free from all the things that they accused him of, but he didn't do that. He entrusted himself instead to God the Father who judges righteously. Now, I would hope that you and your spouse don't revile one another or insult one another. But based on my experience in my own marriage and in talking with other friends, couples, there are times when we do slander one another. There are times in marriage when we do revile one another. There are times when we insult one another. And my friends, that's not right. It's sinful to do that, especially to your spouse, the one whom God has given you to be a helpmate. But if you find yourself in that situation where you've been reviled or insulted or slandered by your spouse, I would suggest to you that you follow the advice and the example of Jesus, who, when he was insulted, didn't insult back, he didn't revile back, he didn't slander back, he didn't even defend himself. Rather, he entrusted himself to God who judges righteously. Now consider this, God the Father sees everything that is happening and will judge righteously, especially in the case of Christians who both have the indwelling Holy Spirit to prick and activate and make the conscience burn at sin. Sometimes the best thing to do is for you to be silent and to allow the Holy Spirit to be the one to work on the heart of your spouse so that they will confess their sin and they will see it for what it is and they will repent. But if you are not silent, if you revile or you slander or you insult in return, you're not allowing space for the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do. You're taking matters of judgment and justice into your own hands. You're actually avenging yourself. And that's wrong. That's wrong. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Never take your own vengeance, but let God be the one who takes vengeance on your behalf. Now, this is a radical thought in our culture in relationship to communication. Because 
when somebody insults us, we immediately try to defend ourselves and then insult them in a worse way. You know, if you if you can go back to like high school or maybe middle school and you think about the the funny your mama jokes that people used to tell, um, you know, those were always supposed to be kind of innocent, but sometimes they actually became insulting. And the goal was to always like one up your friend with the your mama joke. But that's that's exactly the wrong thing to do when it's a serious, serious communication problem. All right, you don't want to one up each other. Now, maybe as a guy, I'm out of touch, but that's the kind of jokes that guys used to talk about and we used to tease each other about and it was all in good fun. But I want to apply that to, to the situation where in a marriage, somebody would highly insult or revile or slander their spouse. Don't try to come up with a bigger insult. Don't try to come up with a bigger slander. Instead, just maintain your silence. Again, this builds on the first principle. A gentle answer turns away wrath. If you're quiet, if you're quiet, perhaps your spouse will hear the words that are coming out of his or her mouth and they'll be like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually saying these things. I can't believe it. But if you continue to respond and you basically fight fire with fire, what do you do? You burn up and eventually will burn down the house that you've built together. And that leads to great devastation and personal loss in a marriage relationship. I would consider there to be other principles from the Word of God that you can apply to your communication, but for the sake of brevity, I think these three principles are very, very important when it comes to resolving conflicts. And you should think about how you can apply those things in your relationship. Do I have the attitude of letting a gentle answer turn away wrath? Do I desire to glorify God and to pursue God's righteousness, or do I desire to win? And am I willing to follow the example of Jesus and be quiet when I'm insulted or offended? To be sure, these things aren't easy to apply, but they're important to apply. And I think um, that would be enough for this particular lesson, but it would be remiss of me to not at least address some of the various conflicts related to communication and gender. Um, The fundamental challenges of communicating between the gender is this. Each spouse has to give up what their ideal is. And I think a greater burden falls upon men to communicate with their wives than it falls upon women. Women are natural communicators. Men, um, we don't tend to be naturally as communicative or as talkative as women, or we communicate in much more subtle ways. Each spouse, again, must give up what their ideal is and move towards the other. This is, again, an application of the truth found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You know, I know a lot of guys who, when they were courting or dating their wives, and when they were engaged, they, they talked and talked and talked and talked all the time. But after they'd been married for some while, that communication dried up. And that's like uh, starving your wife. It's like 
not giving her the nourishment that she needs. We as men need to understand that our wives have a desire to communicate. And men, if you have daughters, you not only have to communicate with your your wife, but you need to spend time communicating with your daughters. And they need undivided attention. And I bet you that 15 to 20 minutes of undivided communication between you and your wife would go a long way towards smoothing over and resolving communication problems in your marriage. Uh, Your wife wants to know and understand what you think, what you feel, how you perceive life. Your wife wants to hear what your hopes and dreams are. And she wants to tell you her hopes and dreams. She wants to tell you what she's feeling. She wants to bounce the ideas and the events of the day off of you to to ensure that she's done well. And the work that she's done is pleasing in your eyes. Men, we need to commit to giving our wives the time that they need. Now, wives, on the other hand, maybe, maybe you are somebody who needs to talk and talk a lot. Be sensitive to the fact that, hey, perhaps your husband doesn't have an ear to listen to a lot of communication, so prioritize. Prioritize what you want to tell him and make it a point to tell him the most important things first. Ladies, I would encourage you to be sensitive to the personality of your husband. Some are great listeners, some maybe not so much, but do the best that you can to communicate effectively and briefly Um, And again, as you and your husband operate this push-pull of communication and figure out how to blend your various perspectives together, you can come to a reasonable understanding of what each of you needs in communication so that you can be satisfied and move forward in marriage. I think, again, a successful marriage doesn't mean that each person gets everything that they want. But a successful marriage means that both partners are seeking the best interests of the other. And that will often result in both of you getting something that's very fulfilling, but maybe not 100% of the time because you're putting the other person's needs and interests ahead of your own. Now, ladies, there is another remedy for you if you do need to express yourself in communication. One of the provisions made in the New Testament is that younger women ought to be communicating with older women and older women with younger women so that they can talk about all these various uh, issues of life. And that, uh, that verse is in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where Tit- uh, Paul writes to Titus, and Titus is then to share with the, the church that older women are to be involved in the lives of younger women. Unfortunately, our culture has fostered an attitude of independence from one another that has upset the order and design of the family and has fractured God's ideal societal structure. And so let us work hard as believers to try to recover that to the degree that we can. Ladies, you might be able to find that some of your conversational needs are met through communication with older women. And that's a good thing. And that's how God designed it. Well, I hope that as we have looked at these areas of difficulty in communication and the biblical solutions to them, that you will have been challenged and encouraged and that you could take some of these things and apply them right away in your marriage, that you would be able to enjoy and and experience sweet communication and greater fellowship 
with the one whom God gave you to be a helpmate.